You are listening to a six-week teaching series from Jubilee Church entitled Visionary Love. This series addresses topics such as marriage, dating, sex, and singleness, and looks at Scripture's vision for thriving and loving relationships. If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Well, today we're going to continue a series called Visionary Love, and this is all about the spills and thrills of marriage, sex, dating, and all that kind of stuff, and it's, it's a bit practical. Yeah, you missed the sex talk if, you've, if you're coming in this week. That's a couple weeks ago, and, uh, um, and I'm doing this because one of the things I've learned as a pastor is uh, I, I hear all kinds of stories. I mean, I've heard hundreds and hundreds of people's stories, all the details, not just people who have attended here, but I mean, I'll be walking down the street, people know, that know I'm a pastor, and I'm just like a walking confessional. They feel like they can just kind of tell me everything. I'm like, dude, you shouldn't tell anybody that, much less a complete stranger. I'm like, oh, by the way, what's your name? You know, you told me everything about you, but you didn't tell me your name, and and when I'm, I'm listening to their story, and usually it's about relationships. I don't know if you realize this or not, but the best part of your life is relationships, and the worst part of your life is relationships. Uh, it says something about relationships. And it's usually about relationships. And I, as I'm sitting here listening to their story, there's something in me that didn't, didn't somebody tell you about? Did, didn't you know? Didn't your mama or your dada ever sit you down and tell you about? Are you, are you saying that you don't really understand how guys think? You didn't know that? And, and there's all this stuff that I thought, you know, like, kind of like common sense that, that maybe isn't so common around relationships because one of the things, I don't know if you know this or not, but every Saturday, two people come together uh, in, in, the, in this city and all over the world. They come together and they make promises that they can't keep. Did you know that? You know that they, that they spend thousands of dollars in months and months and months preparing for a day where they look the best that they ever looked and ever will look. And they have all their friends and family there. And then a pastor like me gets up and, and I have them repeat these vows. And these vows are promises that they can't keep. Now they mean to. They, they really want to, they intend to, they have every intention of doing so, but six months in, nine months in, two years in, they realize that they made these promises, but this is hard. And then they start having these commitment wars, and you said this, and you said that, and, and just kind of blowing each other up, and, and, they, and they kind of fire at each other. And the reason why they make these promises that they can't keep is because they violate a principle that is so obvious in every arena of life, but for some reason, when it comes to relationships, we don't apply this. And this, and this is the principle, that promises are no substitute for preparation. Promises are no substitute for preparation. If you are a long-distance marathon runner, you know that your signature that you will run a race is not nearly as important as the preparation you put in to finish that race. You know that. Uh, your parents know that it doesn't matter the, about the promises you make to get good grades on your exams. It has to do with the preparation that you put into that. A prospective employer could care less what you promise to give them. They want to know, have you prepared? 
Do you have the education? Do you have the experience? They're not looking at your promises. They're looking at your preparation, and they're wise to do so. The bank cares less about my promise to pay them back. They want to know, have I prepared? They want to know about my credit history. They want to know how I've handled debt in the past. They want to know about my income history. They don't care about my promises. I can promise you guys that next week I'm showing up and I'm preaching in Russian. We'll get a notary out here and I'll sign it and blood and all that. And if I, I won't be able to do it because I haven't prepared. But for whatever reason, there are people all throughout this land of ours and all throughout this city. People are making promises that they can't keep. Not because they don't mean to, but because they haven't prepared Just because you say I do doesn't make you able. Just because you say I do doesn't make you capable. It only makes you accountable. And when you are accountable for something you're not capable of doing, you're miserable. It's like, you know, Otis Campbell, remember him from the Andy Griffith show? Retro's in. And uh, you remember he said that that one line, he says, I had the right to remain silent. He's a town drunk. He, He had the right to remain silent. He just didn't have the ability to do so. And it's like people get married, they, 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 they have the every intention of fulfilling these vows. They're just not capable of doing so. And so listen, there are people all every Saturday making promises that they can't keep. And I don't want you, right? I don't want you here. I don't want you in Washington, at the lake, St. Charles, all over. I don't want you to be so naive as to think The promise that you make or the promise that someone else makes is somehow going to trump how you've prepared. I don't want you to be so naive as to think that in this right person myth, you know that, right? Disney, if you just, if you just, all the struggle, all the energy is around finding the right person. If you find the right person, then you'll live happily ever after and the story ends. But it doesn't. People, people fall into the right person myth all the time. They meet someone and they have this, and, and they connect, not because they're, they do relationship well, because they have this chemistry. And they're the right person. And everything's going to work out because they're the right person. And then they get in a relationship. And then they start to have relationship problems. And then that affects the chemistry. And then they wonder, do I marry the right person? And they see that person at work. Or they see that person at the gym. And speaking of gym, hey, Jim, we haven't seen each other since high school. And maybe, maybe, you know, maybe I married the right person, but maybe they're the right person. But the problem is, and the reason why they're in these marriages that secretly they wish they could get out, is because they spend all of this energy trying to find the right person and spend hardly energy, any energy on being the right person. I don't want you to be that naive. I don't want you to make the same mistake. You're sitting next to a married person who perhaps made that mistake. I don't want that to be you. The key isn't finding the right person. It's being the right person. It's being the person you're looking for, the person who's looking for. It's, it's, it's being that person. It's working toward that. It's taking the steps. It's preparing. It's preparing. And maybe if you're married, because, you know, I, I've never, I've said this earlier in the series, I've never encountered a marriage problem. You know, in all my years of, of counseling, I've never had anyone who had a marriage problem. I've seen a lot of people who had problems who get married. Marriage problems are easy. It's like, you know, we're going to share the toothpaste or we're going to like, you know, get what, you know, that's a marriage problem. 
But there are problems that you have, and you, they don't get solved when you say, I do. Getting marriage is a horrible problem-solving mechanism. It was never meant to be that way. It's, it's a really great, uh, uh, it really does a really good job of uncovering problems. Rachel and I have never had marriage problems. There's just me. I'm the problem. And so it's just one of those things. And those of you who have been married are probably feeling, you know, oh, man, just this lack of preparation. And it's not too late. I mean, it's, it, it's, it may be difficult for you to get back, but it's not too late. But single people, if you're here, I am so glad you're here because you can avoid un- the unnecessary pain. You will never have more time in your life than right now to deal with these issues, to work on. You'll have never, more, never have more time to work on your marriage, I know as oddly enough as that sounds, than right now. And you'll never be less motivated. We're only motivated until we feel the pain. And sometimes it's either too late or it's just a lot of pain has happened. There is unnecessary pain that I would hope that you would avoid. So I want to serve a warning before you say, I do. Instead of seeking to find the right person to become the right person and seeking to think that somehow a promise is going to overshadow your preparation or somehow a promise coming from someone else is going to overshadow their preparation. I want to talk about that today. And the amazing thing is, is nearly like 3,000 years ago, the wisest person ever, Solomon, speaks directly into that dynamic. And I want us to look at that today. And you don't need to turn there because I'm going to use a different translation than the Bible's in your seats. It's uh, NIV translation. But let's look at Proverbs 14. Solomon is the wisest person ever, and he's just speaking uh, into situation. And this is wisdom that I I want you to have. He says, the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to the ways, but the folly of fools is deception. That word prudent, it's a word that we don't use every day, but the prudent person is the one who understands that all of life is connected, that my present will one day become my past, and that will show up in my future. Are you tracking with that? that? That right now, your present, when time moves on, that becomes your past. Are you with me? The prudent person understands that. And that somehow shows up in your future. When you say, I do, it doesn't all go away. The wise person knows that all of life is connected. It, it, the wise person understands that if I take step A to B, and then I take step B to C, that step C is probably going to land me at D and not Q. The fool, on the other hand, thinks it'll all work out. So the, pr- the prudent person understands this and gives thought to their ways. Let me tell you what ways are. Ways are behaviors. Ways are patterns. Ways are trends. Ways are how you know that your kids are going to do what they do before they do it. Those are ways. That's how you know that that friend is going to show up late because that's what they do. That's why when a friend does show up late and didn't call, there's something wrong because of their ways. Ways are what make us predictable. Ways are what makes comedians able to impersonate other people. We have ways. We have Ways of doing things. So the wise person, the prudent person, gives thought to habits and trends. The fool, on the other hand, ignores them. The fool believes that just because when I did this the 99 other times and got the same outcome, that on the 100th time, somehow it's going to be different. Check out the way Solomon says it in the next verse, in the few verses down in verse 15. 
The simple believe anything, but the prudent give thought to their steps. The simple, you believe anything. Why? Well, because you have a song. And your parents are like, but does he have a job? He doesn't need a job because we have a song and our initials are the same. And it's like, oh, well, then get married then if your initials are the same. And just this feeling that you have. Yeah, I know about his past. I know that he's flunked out of school. But, you know, the professors were all out against him. And, and he told me that, you know, when we get married that he would change. In fact, he came to me. He's like, baby. Baby, sugar baby, let me. You can, you can help me. You can help me change. I need you. He, doesn't, he needs his mama and he needs a counselor. He doesn't need you. You need to run. You need to get out of there. The simple, believe anything. Because when you're in love, you kind of lose your mind. That's part of you know, being in love as you start to do irrational things. That's why I counsel people, especially women. I'm not picking on women here, but they just tend to be the case. Is that... That you have got to make sure that your emotions about that guy trail your thoughts about that guy. This, this idea of like following your heart in dating is the dumbest advice in the world. Fools believe that. The simple believe that. The wise give thought to ways and patterns and steps and behaviors and trends. The fool believes in the promise. The wise believe in the preparation. That's why your friends drill you with a hundred questions. They're looking at their past. They're looking at trends and behaviors. And how much debt did you say he had? And why did this previous marriage go wrong? And how many times did he get fired? You're like, yeah, but we got a song. And his initials are the same. And, and, when you, and then when they ask you, why do you like him? You don't really have anything of substance to say. I like that he's cute, or I like, the way, I like the way I feel when I'm around him. I like that he pays attention. You're talking about a puppy dog. You're not talking about a husband. You need to go to a pound and get you a puppy, and he needs to go to a counselor and talk to his mama, but you should not be getting married. That shouldn't happen. The wise gives thought to his ways. The simple believe anything. But the prudent give thought to steps. You know why steps are important? Because when you, can, when you can watch where a person is taking steps, you can find out where they're going. I mean, has anybody ever told you this before? Have you ever thought about this before? That you can, but you can tell where someone's going by the steps that they take. I, uh, something happened to me about 10 years ago uh, that I, want, I wanted to stay be, with between me and you, okay? And while I was driving, I got lost. All right, I'll never forget it. And even if I did, my wife would remind me. And so we were, we were driving together, and we were we were headed to Atlanta. And uh, let me show you this map, actually, just so you know. So here's St. Louis up here. We're driving down 64. We get on 57, and on 57, she falls asleep because you know it's it's Illinois. And so you get over here, and. Um, and so, like, I'm just like, I don't know, I'm jamming out to something. And I'm on here, and I just totally, I'm supposed to take 24 down into Nashville and then into Atlanta. But I, like, stay on 57. And I'm, I didn't even know anything different because, you know, the scenery's all the same. And so I, I, 
and then finally, like, I'm driving along, and I, and I cross over the Mississippi River again. And I'm like, that's not supposed to happen. And it's like one of those moments where you want to blame someone, but there's no one else to blame. And it's horrible, and that's what the situation was in. So I stop. I stop in a place called Charleston. Um, you can't see it, but Charleston's right here between Cairo and Sykeson. Anyway, I stop in Charleston, and I get out a map like an idiot. I didn't even have, like, Google back then. You just, you just had, like a, a, you know, like, a physical map that, like, explodes in your whole car. And I'm looking at this map trying to figure out um, where I'm going, and I was lost, and I had to get back into a new direction. I learned a valuable, valuable lesson that Solomon's talking about here, and that is your direction. The path that you take and not your intention determines your destination. The di- your direction... Not your intention determines your destination. You see, the simple believe that if you intend to go to Atlanta, but you take steps toward Charleston, Missouri, I can still end up in Atlanta. Are you, the wise person, the prudent person understands that I can promise going to Atlanta all day long, but if my steps are going toward Charleston, guess where I'm ending up? Exactly where I ended up, which was Charleston. But yet, like in relationships, it's, it's like we forget that. And we, we allow the promise to trump preparation. The simple believe anything. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to not single people. Don't buy into the right person. That's it. Save yourself tons and tons and tons of heartache. Become the right person. Again, marriage is a horrible mechanism horrible mechanism for solving problems. It's an excellent mechanism for discovering problems. It's, marriage is like an amplifier. Whatever you had going into that marriage is amplified. If you had problems going in, the problems, the issues that I had in my life did not end when I said I do. They got amplified in the marriage. And by God's grace, uh, the, the things that in my life that were beneficial to me became that much more beneficial in our marriage. That's what marriage does. We all have these issues. So I want you to commit. I want you to commit this morning if you're single. I, don't, I want you to commit not to a person. I don't want you to commit to a relationship, but I want you to commit to being the right person. I want you to commit to watching your steps. And I want you to make a commitment to make sure that the person that you connect with is doing the same. Your ability to f- fall in love and be in love forever is not determined by bouncing into the right person. It's not how sincere you are. It's not how sincere they are. It has everything to do with the preparation that you make starting today. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to lay I'm just going to give you some pre- I'm just lay out some implications of this. I'm going to give you some homework assignments to, to deal with, to do. Just a few things that I think are patterns and behaviors that I believe that you need to address starting today. Number one, you ready for this? You need to deal with your childhood issues. You need to deal with your childhood issues. If you are trying to build intimacy with someone without being, I'll use the word, a whole person, and you will try to somehow extract from them this wholeness, 
A, you will be miserable because you will fall so short of that in that relationship. And you'll be so disappointed. And you'll wonder why you're so miserable. Because if you can't figure that out now, you can't see how life is connected now. You're not going to figure it out then until it's way too late. And you're going to squeeze the life out of the person whoever you married. You need to deal with your childhood issues. What do I mean by that? Well, let me just give you, throw out some things. If you experience any kind of abuse, emotional, sexual, physical, whatever, if you experience any kind of abuse and you have not processed how that has affected you, particularly how that will affect your present becomes your past and your past shows up in your future. If you have not seen how that is connected, I am telling you it is going, it is affecting your relationships and it will affect all your relationships going forward until you deal with it. You need to deal with it. If you um, grew up in a family where your parents divorced, which is a lot of us, you have some issues that you may need to work through. You probably do need to work through. If you had a distant uh, father physically, emotionally, you have childhood issues. If you, because so, here's what happens. Every, all this angst and this, this missing thing that you that you picked up growing up, you are now going to project that on everyone. So maybe your daddy was not faithful to your mom. You, whether you realize it, that affected you. And now you've got, now you're married. And now you have a difficult time trusting your husband, not because of anything to do with your husband. It has everything to do with you're projecting your fears that you have about your dad upon your husband. And you don't even know that you're doing that. You, and then you, as the husband, you come home 10 minutes late and like, like what happened there? Why doesn't she trust me? And you're thinking, why can't I trust him? Well, you have stuff, junk. We all do. This is a, 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 a messed up world. And we have problems. We have, we, have to, we have to like work through those things. You need to process through those things if you've not dealt with that. How could you do that practically? Well, number one, I think you need, to, you need to let your friends in on this. What we talk about here week after week, big picture, is that you know, we're a community. We're a people, and we stress community, and we, you're probably tired of me talking about it. But let me tell you, you need other people in your life to help you solve this, you know, navigate through this. And you're probably going to need to talk to an elder for them to give you some specific advice if you've not done that. And they may need, we may want to uh, refer you to a counselor. If you've not talked to a counselor about some of these things, you may need to do that. There may be some stuff in there that's just layered after layer after layer after layer after layer. That's why we do a thing called Revive. It's, it's, we used to call it Redemption Groups. If you've not been in one of those, you need, if you have any of these issues, if you've experienced any kind of abuse, emotionally distant emotionally distant or physically distant father or divorce, any of that, you need to go through that. You not, that's a great group thing for you to process that through. And all of that is going to lead you to do something that's the most important thing, which is to wrestle, uh, this, wrestle this issue out with God, to have God speak into that situation and touch that situation with his healing hand. But you have got to You've got to deal with this. It will affect your relationship. It is affecting your relationships. And ultimately, this comes through God. And let me give you an example. Remember, remember Jacob in the Bible? There's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
uh, Jacob, uh, the patriarch. And let me show you something. When we first meet uh, Jacob in Genesis 27, his father asked him a question. His father said, who is it? And Jacob said, it is Esau. When we first meet Jacob, he's trying to be somebody else. He's not comfortable in his own skin. And so you, you, you read on, and you know about this because, like, if you know about Jacob and Esau, Esau was like the hunter-gatherer, which is like his dad preferred, and they had the high fives, and they were really tight and close, and Jacob was kind of more of an inside guy, kind of more of a mama's boy, and they kind of hung out, you know, him and his mom, and there was distance between him and his father. And then from on that, you know, Jacob flees and goes somewhere else, and, and those next few chapters are up and down and up and down, and then there's this point in... Um, in excuse me, Genesis 32, where he encounters the living God and he wrestles with God. And check out what he's saying now. What is your name? Jacob, he answered. He had issues. You have issues. You need to wrestle with God just as Jacob wrestled with God. You need to process this through. And you need God to heal you. And what's interesting, you got that back there, what's interesting, it was only, it was then and only then, it was then and only then that, that God finally came to Jacob and says, are, are you through with those issues? Because I got something for you to do now. Are you done there? Have you dealt with that stuff? Because I got some things for you to do. Here's what I believe about every, let's go way 30,000 feet in the sky. Big picture. God is a father. He's looking for a family. He wants you to be a part of that family. And once you are part, he makes you a part of gathering that family. And he is, he is predestined before the foundation of the earth for you to walk in good works. He has a destiny for your life. But until you deal with those issues, you'll never, ever know what really God has for you. And your elders here are committed to your wholeness. They, they want good things for you. We want to equip and supply where there's lack and there's need. And this is a big one. You will not have the kind of relationship that you want until you deal with this issue. As a bit of a side note, I don't recommend my messages, but there's a message I did on, I think, June 30th. It's called How to Process Pain and Attract the Life of Jesus and How He Dealt with His Pain, which was much more severe than, our, than ours. And if you're dealing with that, I think it's a helpful message for you to go and wrestle this out with God. Number two, okay, here's another practical thing because these patterns are, there's predictable patterns out there. You need good friends. If you are dating, if you're in that process of dating right now, or you're like on the verge of that, you must have good friends, godly friends that you are accountable to. You have to have this. You need this. Uh, there's, I've told the story before, the story of Odysseus out of Greek mythology. And there's this island of sirens. You may, if you can remember that from high school, there's this, there's this island of sirens that has these beautiful women on it, and they sing, and when they sing, they just kind of like pull people in, and, there's a, and this guy, Odysseus, was a captain of the ship, and he, he was just kind of sucked in by these, these women every time they sang, and he wanted to go to this island, but if he was to go to this island, there was rocks everywhere around this island, and he would run his ship into the rocks and destroy himself and everyone else. So he tried to deal with the problem. He put, first, he, you know, he put wax in his ears, but that didn't work. And so he, so he got his crew together and said, hey, look, tie me up to this flagpole, right? And every time 
you know, if we, and here's the, here's the, here's the path. And if I scream and yell and I want to get, and I want to go to this island, don't untie me. Don't listen to me. So he charts a course, they tie him to the, the flagpole, he gets, goes by the island, and they start singing, and he's like freaking out, and he's like, I want to go, I want to go, and I'm going to go, and they don't let him go, and they go past the island, and everybody is saved, and here's what I know about every single one of you. If you do not have people in your life that you have deputized to speak truth to you, you will run your life into the rocks, I guarantee it. That's not a maybe, that is a guarantee. You will do that. You need friends, especially in this area. If you do not want to mess this up, you need friends in your life who are willing to speak truth to you. And I would not date anyone who didn't have the same thing in their life. That is a predictable pattern with a predictable result. If, no, if you, that person has no one they're accountable to, that has a predictable result. If they have people they're accountable to that are moving the same direction you want, that is a predictable result. I think both my wife and I, in our marriage, there have been times where I have had guys pull me aside that I would not have listened to if it was just me and Rach. And she's had the same thing. There will be days where you will wish that your spouse had someone speaking that truth in their life. You probably do right now. And when you look at Song of Solomon, this is what you see in the Bible. It's, a, it's amazingly helpful st- interaction about how marital love and all that works and dating and courtship and all that. And, and, um, and in that, if you, if you read the Song of Solomon, you'll notice some things in your Bible. There'll be a section where will say he, where he's talking, and then she, where she's talking. And then there's other section called the others, right? You know, not from the lost. But like from the others are like her friends. And they're there at every point of the relationship. Not in the bedroom, mind you, which is helpful to know. But they are helpful when they're, when, when they're the, the, the guy's first pursuing her. And they give her approval. She's looking for it and they give it. When the guy goes off and is confusing to her and, and hurting her, They're there to comfort her and bring strength to her. When she needs to be protected, it says that they created a wall around her. You need it. You need friends around you. And you are asking for trouble if you hook up with someone who doesn't have the same thing. It's a path. It's a pattern. It's behavior. It's ways. It's steps. The wise give thought to it. The simple, don't. Okay. Okay, don't, this is, don't dress like a commodity and don't put up with being treated like one. This is for the ladies, by the way. If you guys want to do it, go ahead, but just not around me. But don't dress like a commodity and don't be treated like one. That is, a, that is a pattern. If, you, if, you, if the person you're dating treats you like a commodity, they're going to treat you when you're married. It's a predictable pattern. It's a predictable pattern. And I just want to give you ladies some advice from the world of fishing. Do you know what a fisherman, do you know how a fisherman decides what to bait his hook with? What he's fishing for. 
Let me say it again. I just know it. I know it's way deep. Do you know what a do you know what a fish how a fisherman decides how to bait his hook? It depends what he's fishing for. If you troll with your body, if you if you fish with your body, you will catch body snatchers every time. And you'll get jaded and you'll start to say things, well, all men are like, and all men are like. No, 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 no. All the men you date are like. Ooh. That's what they said in the first service. Ooh. So let's look at this. Last five people you've dated, there was him and you, him and you, him and you, him and you, him and you. What's the common denominator? That would be you. So it's not that all men are like. All the men that you date are like, and all the men that are attracted to you are like. And I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm saying that because I want you to know I want you to pay attention to ways and behaviors. I want you. Page one of our Bibles addresses this issue. In page one of our Bibles, it says that you, are, you, you have such value because you were made in the image of God. That God has a unique fingerprint on your life. That there's so much more that you have going for you than how you dress. And, and I, if, in case no one's ever told you before, I mean, that's the big part. I just feel like I just want to tell all of us these things. If, no one, if you don't know this, if your parents never sat you down and told this, if you never heard anyone speak this to you, I want you to know, ladies, that you are so worth it that you have so much value. I think that, I believe God thinks that, and I think there are a whole bunch of guys here, brothers of yours, who think that as well. Don't dress like a commodity. It's a no-win for you. You'll get jaded, and you'll think all men are pigs, and most of them are, but some of them aren't, and and if, here's the thing, if you, big picture, if you attract someone with the way you dress, you attract someone, then you'll have to keep them with the way you dress. And I've got bad news for you. As cute as you are now, that's all I'm saying. And, uh, uh, Look, okay, I'm not going to lie to you, because this is how guys think. I'm not going to lie. I'm a truth here. When I first met Rachel, anytime any guy, they're only, it's looks. I, I, I asked Rachel out. I asked Rachel, I asked Rachel out because of her looks. I mean, she, as long as she didn't, like, sacrifice animals in her backyard, I mean, I was going to ask her out. So, but there's got to be, you've got to, like, let guys settle down a bit and connect on something deeper than that, which is why I know it's just like you don't want to hear go slow, do slow, and all that kind of stuff, but there's just wisdom in that because there just is. I could go on and on about dead and habits and all that kind of stuff, but I just want to just jump to the very last thing, which is the most important thing. Here's the most important thing you can do, and that is surrender to Jesus. Surrender to Jesus. And I don't just mean like become 
a Christian, like this thing that you recite in your heart, you know, like, you know, Jesus, Jesus, I love you, you know, how about you? And just like you just, you, I mess that up. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just like this thing in your heart, like, you know, like you are a part of the Christian religion. And it's just like there's no surrendering. You, you can claim Jesus, you can check the boxes, you have all these things in your head, but you've not surrendered. I'm talking about you need to surrender to Jesus. When you read about through what Paul says to the Ephesians in Ephesians 5, and even if you're not a Christian, if you've ever been to a wedding like more than twice, you've heard this verse. Ephesians 5.21, it says, Submit to one another. Husbands submit to wives. Wives submit to husbands. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And your ability, you submitting to Jesus is like the thing to help you to be in a relationship that will last forever, ever. You need to surrender to Jesus, and you need to be looking for someone who's surrendered to Jesus. All the steps that you can take and all the steps that your prospective spouse can take, um, taking those steps for Jesus is the most important steps that you can take. The, the person who is surrendered to Jesus, that is a very, very safe person. The person who is not surrendered to Jesus is very, very dangerous. I mean, think about it. If they won't listen to God, what makes you think they're going to listen to you? But, I know I sound angry today, don't I? I'm not. I really ain't. I'm not. But the person who moves toward Jesus, I mean, that person can be, it can be, it can be trusted. And, and, and just think, I mean, we've been talking about all these ways and habits, but man, you could be going in this bad direction, but I'm telling you, when you surrender your life to Jesus, he gives you a whole new path. And, and, and they may not be all that they can be and right now, but, and, but if, if they're surrendered to Jesus, I am telling you, that is a safe person, and that is something that is going to be amazing. God's going to do amazing things, and, and I don't want you to take my word for it. I want to t- t- uh, tell you something Paul said in Philippians 1. Philippians 1, he said, he, that's God, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. If God started something in your life and you're surrendered to the work of God in your life, that good thing that he did, that that thing that he birthed in your life, he will finish it. He will finish it. Now, what's really interesting about this is kind of getting into the psyche of Paul and what he must be thinking about. Because Philippians 1, to me, sounds a lot like Genesis 1. Can we see that? In the beginning... He, God created everything, and after everything created everything, he said it was good. And then at the end of it, it says, thus the heavens and the earth were completed. Let me show these things side by side. Philippians 1, he who began a good work completed. Genesis 1, beginning good, completed. What might Paul be saying? When you surrender your life to the redeeming love of God, you are surrendering yourself to the God who created the earth, to the one who created the cosmos, who created the solar systems and all of that, what you see. When you surrender to that God, I think you're going to be okay. And when you find someone who surrendered to that God, I think they're going to be okay. And if you two get together, you're going to be very, very okay. Surrendering your heart your life, your everything to Jesus is the best thing you can do to be the right person. And it is the thing that you must look for. Because here's the thing. You are going to fail everyone that you love. I have. I don't know about you. 
I have failed everyone I've loved. I, I, I hope you're not trusting in me. But when you can trust in the work of God in your life, and when you can trust the work of God in someone else's life, the same God who created the earth and will complete it, he will finish it. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He will do it. There's freedom, there's joy, there's confidence. I wonder if he'll ever figure it out. Yes, he will if you surrender to God. I wonder if she'll always be this way. No, she won't if she surrendered to God. Those of you who are married, this should bring, like, it, for all of you, like, you were hearing this message, you're like, okay, did that wrong, did that wrong, did that wrong, did that wrong? And you're just like, I know, like, people are gone. I'm like, there's, like, more people here when we started. And uh, or maybe they're just hiding. I don't know. And so I'm telling you, it can change like that if you surrender your life to God. He's so amazing. And single people, single people, you, man, you've got to lean, you need to surrender your life to God today. And you need to surrender your life to God every day. You need to give yourself and trust what he's doing. Not what you think you can figure out, but trust what he's doing. Don't outstep him. Don't understep him. Keep pace. Trust the work of God in your life. And if, you've, if God's putting a finger, married or single, if God's putting a finger on something in your life this morning that he wants to deal with it, deal with it. It can be a new day, and you can have a new story. Your marriage can have a new story. Those of you who are single, you may hate your story up to this point, but I've got great news. It can change today. You can, you can walk out of here and you can, meet the, you, know, you can meet your future spouse and you can say, I made a record. Here were the steps and path that I had, but there was a day where I heard some guy, I didn't really, you know, he sounded angry, but he made some sense. And, and, like, and then from there, I was on this new path, because I be, not because of, I followed his advice, but because I surrendered my life to the redeeming love of God. And you can do that today. Why don't you get out your communication card?